Hi everyone, this is Inside the Tribe. We talk here about moving to another country, integration, challenges, fun and experiences while living in different culture. Today my guest is Karin. Hi Karin. Hi, it's so nice to be here with you Maria. <laughs> Thank you for joining us um, for today's talk. I know you moved several times in different countries, so you're kind of a bit uh, a pro, uh, <laughs> not expert, but a level up of moving and uh, feeling home in different places. Could you tell me more about um, your first experience and how it goes? Yeah, I was in, I, I was 20 the first time I decided to leave. I'm from Sweden, that's my native country. And I had just finished my gymnasium school um, and I decided to just go somewhere and learn English better. So I left for the UK uh, and this was when everyone left to do like au pair jobs and stuff. But is it I, is it popular in Sweden? That yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but I went another level <laughs> and opted to be a junior matron in a boarding school for boys. <laughs> Zero, seven to 13 year olds. Wow. But were you good in that yourself or... Well, good. I, I, you know, I was 20. I didn't know what I was doing, but it was so much fun. And the thing with, with that was that I was in a, in a working environment with colleagues, all the teachers and the other staff at school and, you know, all those boys that I was taking care of. And it was an eye-opening experience because as a Swede, I thought I was super in English, right? Yeah. And I arrived and I was like, because uh. <laughs> I, I so remember sitting in the pub with the teacher colleagues and by the time I had translated what I wanted to say and add to the conversation and I'm normally a very chatty person they were like five topics ahead so you're like uh yeah it's too late. yeah yeah <laughs> okay. and I, it was almost like a bit of a a loss of identity crisis going on for okay. me because I was normally the one that talked and you know arranged parties and like you know very social and all of a sudden, I couldn't speak, <laughs> you know, as fast as I wanted to. I couldn't express myself as naturally as I wanted to. Um, and that is something that I've kept an, as an experience. And I can sort of totally relate to, to the sort of identity crisis you feel when you leave your home country and your home, well, your mother tongue. Yeah. And I think we all have kind of expectations how it will be, yeah. right? And yeah, at 20, yeah, yeah. I mean, we want to win the world of course of course so that was a really interesting experience obviously the English picked up very fast because it was a necessity (laughs) I sort of just stayed abroad after that so when I was done with with the UK I opted to go to a international hotel school here in Switzerland actually so you like that direction yeah so I was like okay I need to I really feel a strong pull to be abroad okay so I did my uh, hotel management school here in Switzerland in the mid 90s <laughs> up in the mountains but I mean here it's a, it's a big huge industry so they have quite mm-hmm. big schools right mm-hmm. exactly yeah and, and that's sort of how it started and all of a sudden I have ended up living abroad more than I have lived in Sweden actually by, by now you mentioned that you also went um, for some time in Belgium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, related to the hotel school training I was doing. Uh, you needed to do a 
six month internship somewhere. Um, and I was recruited to the Radisson SAS chain in Brussels. Mm-hmm. So I was working at the flagship hotel there in, in Brussels for half a year. Was it a um, very different experience in Belgium? Well, it was. I mean, we're talking like late 90s. Well, this was 96, you know, pre-Facebook, pre... I mean, I had like a little old, like, I don't know if it was a Nokia or an Ericsson. <laughs> I mean... Just opening one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Not even opening one. I think in that sense, I think a more difficult experience than what we have today where every single little neighborhood has their own Facebook group, you know, and there's, you know, all of these expat moms in whatever country or in whatever city. I mean, there wasn't anything like that. I mean, any, Um, you can find anything in Google, how to do what, how to. Yeah, but this was pre-internet. On your phone, you know. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there wasn't even internet. (laughs) So how did you do that? Yeah, I mean, you just do what you do, right? Obviously, I was young and all the hotel colleagues, I mean, we were all in the same age group and was it, was it a bit like a But it was camp. very but it was now nah, but it was very lonely because I I had my own apartment. Mm-hmm. And again, you're you're quite lonely when you're sitting between shifts kind of mm-hmm. and you don't have a huge social life. Um so that was a bit weird <laughs> yeah what helped you to stay on your nice mood and you know like keep a sanity I say yeah. yeah good question because I have zero I had zero money to move around with as well obviously on a on a you know yeah and an internship salary was I don't know I can't remember actually what you know I what helped me I mean I moved from small city to Moscow at 2004 Mm -hmm. so I mean there's slowly started internet and whatever Mm -hmm. but from a small city to a million city where I didn't know anyone I knew some Mm -hmm. colleagues because I transferred in the Mm -hmm. company Mm-hmm. but I knew them and they have their own life so yeah. there's like chow in the evening after yeah. work and they go yeah. and live their life and you yeah. go alone home yeah exactly and um, I also like I had I came in Moscow with the salary from my little city mm-hmm. and it was kind of a bit bigger but really if I think now it was like nothing yeah. for me it was like yeah. ooh, big yeah. step so I didn't have tv yeah I didn't have friends I didn't have money or I thought I don't look exactly how I should look if you go to the center Moscow whatever mm-hmm. museums whatever mm-hmm. it was winter it was cold dark mm-hmm. so I was reading books yeah I think this helped like just do yeah. something and stay in kind of condition but I I mean after months it was yeah. new year and yes I didn't have enough money in the end so the last week I was eating ice cream because it's fatty (laughs) and it keeps you not hungry you know yeah yeah, yeah. and then I came home for Sylvester for New Year Mm -hmm. had I don't know three rubbles in my pocket up Mm -hmm. the train and everything and Mm -hmm. I said oh never again um because I always wanted to go to St. Petersburg but I kind of moved to another direction Mm -hmm. and then we had this long holidays And I thought, no, they kind of promoted me and at least half a year, at least Mm -hmm. half a year. Mm -hmm. And then it started, I I found the roommate and it was summer and you kind of make a a bit bigger circle in Moscow. You kind of find it out. And 
So half a year, they stretch to eight years. Yeah. And which yeah, time yeah, yeah. is better. But I mean, yeah, yeah, no internet. And you really, you feel that no one cares about you. Mm-hmm. But then again, I mean, we didn't even know that an internet would exist later yeah, on. So exactly. there was nothing to miss, really. It's <laughs> but, even even prayer. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. Prayer. I mean, this is just like, but, you know, it's, there's a lot of things you can do for free as well. I mean, Brussels is full with lovely art museums and parks and all of that so you know I was out a lot and obviously with colleagues as well I mean everyone was sort of in the same boat so that was a very unique experience of course and you know that you're there for half a year you can sort of bite through it it's like Um, crossing if it's bad you're just crossing out days yeah yeah but it wasn't that bad I mean I still have friends from that time so that's really nice yeah how many years are now you're in Switzerland this time I'm going on 16 years that's already yeah is it from this is now home yeah we have Swiss passports and we are very integrated in the area we live in so and the kids are born here and they went to you know Kita and kindergarten and they go to local school and we're very integrated in in the area where we where we live Okay. Yeah. Um, I also remember that you were quite good with language, the local one. So you. Well, good is a big word. I am. I have noticed over the years. It's not that I'm talented in languages at all, but I'm so stubborn in <laughs> wanting to make myself understood. Yeah. And wanting to sort of learn and integrate quickly I mean it doesn't matter where I go I get frustrated if we go to Thailand Mm -hmm. in the past before corona and I can't even say thank you or goodbye or hello in the local language I don't know what it is but it's this need of understanding and make myself understood so I just dive in in with pure stubbornness (laughs) but my son who's now 11 he's like Mom, you have to decide either you speak Swiss German or Swedish or high German. You can't mix like you do. I do do mix. (laughs) And I'm just like, dude, (laughs) give me a break. I learned German with over 30 years old. So come on, give me a break. (laughs) You can tell him that we'll see how you will learn stuff when you're after 30, you know, like, yeah, not children, they just just pick it up. Of course. Yeah. And I so, mean, yeah. for me, language is also, it's kind of a sign of respect to mm-hmm. where you go oh, to yeah. live. It's like, absolutely. I respect your culture. I yes. try to speak. Yes. It can be with mistakes. I'm still, of course. I can't, I can't remember all the articles. <laughs> of course. Articles I, I, don't, in I don't think, I don't think they can either. <laughs> I mean, I eat them. I'm just, a little, yeah, yeah. they're gone, yeah. but yeah. they understand me. Mm-hmm. I go further and I think that's the best because yeah. I fully understand that probably I will never speak fluent no. German or Swiss German. No. So, but it's fun. It's fun. And you just have to be, I think you just have to decide to be, not care so much about correctness, mm-hmm. but rather just have fun with it. Yeah. And just make it into a game and not make such a big fuss about it. Yeah. I had yeah. a colleague at my German course. She was American and she had amazing grandma in her head for German Mm -hmm. but as you said she took so much time to put that all correct in her head Mm -hmm. and we already switched the topic so yeah 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 yeah. exactly yeah so I think you just have to be a bit brave and just dive in Mm -hmm. and learn 
by doing I mean obviously we're all different but I I certainly learn more when I'm sort of confronted and I have to just do it and I ended up in circumstances where I actually for almost like life death survival (laughs) needed to understand (laughs) German quickly so uh, yeah but here we are and I actually read not too long ago that we are actually different personalities in different languages And that is also something that I hadn't realized. I just always thought that I had to be me Mm -hmm. in Swedish, in German, in English, in French, whatever language I I speak. And it's actually not possible. We will always have a bit of a different personality in each language. I mean, that's okay. That's okay. It makes it more fun, you know? It's even with the loudness and how we speak Mm -hmm. and speed, Mm -hmm. because... My voice is different if I speak English, Russian, German, yes, and yes. the speed also. Yes. And of course, it's one language or another, it's less or more efforts. Mm-hmm. Because for me, it's like I would prefer to speak, of course, more Russian because it's like no efforts for me, mm-hmm. no extra thinking. Mm-hmm. Then it's like English, a bit more effort, German is a bit more effort. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like kind mm-hmm. of levels. Yeah. I mean, even. Physically, the languages are in a different position yes. in the mouth. So. Absolutely. And they yeah. say, I don't know, have you heard that also, that, for example, if kids learn absolutely different languages from different groups, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, English, Arabic or Chinese, mm-hmm. it's absolutely different parts of your brain mm-hmm. works. So they, it's kind of make your thinking more diverse, more broad, mm-hmm. it develops bigger. Mm-hmm. Have you yeah. heard of that? Yeah. I haven't heard, I don't know the research on the brain, but I'm sure, I mean, I've read so many times that uh, diverse languages are, you know, obviously good for your cognitive <laughs> brain. So yeah. um, what languages do your kids speak? They speak Swedish, High German, Syriditch, and fluent English. And now they both do French in school. Okay. And they just fight with five. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I feel it's just That's amazing. just what they do. <laughs> it's not a big thing <laughs> for them. Yeah. yeah. Do they still speak Swedish at home? Yeah. Oh, that's they nice. do. Yeah. They do. And with certain friends, at least my daughter, she has a couple of peers in her own age group in the same school that are also native Swedish speaking. And funnily enough, they choose still to speak Swedish to each other it's like a little group yeah exactly but I because of the experience I had at the Swiss hotel school uh, we always had the rule because we were very many Swedish people in that school but we had this rule that if we were sitting 10 people at the table speaking Swedish if one other person sat down in whatever end of the table we all switched automatically to English that's because it would just be so like it's just so rude to be sitting mm-hmm. in a group of people. And even though you're not participating in the conversation, you still sort of want to know what's going on around you. So we had that rule and I've taught my kids that, that rule too, that, yeah. you know, when you have another person in, in the room, we switch to English rather than, yeah. than continue in Swedish because, or German, depending on who's in the room, of course. But, uh, you know, just so that everyone is yeah. included in the conversation. True. 
um, about languages to kids, I try to sell it to my daughter learning Russian, like, hey, look, you and your brother, you will have like a secret language mm-hmm. if you want. And then no mm-hmm. one's in school or something mm-hmm. can understand you or less people, let's mm-hmm. say. I think in the group, like we have now also quite a broad, diverse group here uh, where I live. But funny that sometimes I, I just so close to the person that I just start sometimes speaking Russian to person who doesn't speak Russian. Mm-hmm. For me it's like so automatic that yes, mm-hmm. it's so close person mm-hmm. he would understand and you talk mm-hmm. and they're like, you speak Russian to me. Ah, <laughs> so it's, it's I really have no funny. idea what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. They're like, mm, yeah, yeah, da, mm-hmm. da. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and the funny thing also, you know, at work in international companies there also you can practice many languages during the day mm-hmm. the funny fact that in the end of the day sometimes i have information in my head but i can't remember in which language i received it mm-hmm. yeah it, it's like amazing it's like decoding and putting away all parts of languages or like words it's just pure information and you mm-hmm. don't remember what mm-hmm. language was it Mm-hmm. it's fascinating I think you know this language stuff and especially here in Switzerland as well I mean if I look at my kids I think we we counted in a class of 22 students in my son's third grade class among the students they spoke 16 different languages oh my god yeah so for them to grow up in a society you know, in Sweden, in the 80s where I grew up, I mean, everyone spoke Swedish and that was it. <laughs> and here they grow up with like, yeah, but he speaks fluent Spanish at home and he speaks French at home and she speaks Russian at home. She speaks, you know, Persian at home and yeah. she speaks in Arabic at home. It's just another flavor for them. It's not a big deal. I just, you know, that was the feeling I had with the kids um, that languages aren't such a big deal and now you know especially my son he has a a friend who speaks French at home so now they have a little language tandem <laughs> completely you know by themselves okay. so you know his friend will teach him to pronounce the French words correctly and my son will help the other boy with English okay because English, it's English is it's not so okay. no no Swedish is obviously not a, a thing here <laughs> to learn but uh, because he has got fluent English for God knows what reason um he can then help the other boy with English and I find that so fascinating they've made that up completely by themselves okay yeah what language would you like to learn more like additionally I would love to get back into my French because I I lived in the French part of Switzerland and Mm -hmm. I was working there and I was speaking it well semi-fluently you know on my level fluently but I was speaking to you know friends and the guests in the hotel I was working Mm -hmm. at and it was not a problem and then my husband got a job here because we lived in Stockholm for six years together and when he then got a job here it was in Zurich (laughs) and I was like okay fine same migro same co-op same dinner completely different language (laughs) True. So I had to sort of start, start from the, from scratch. Okay. Uh, and learn German. Talking about tandems, 
uh, as you mentioned, for kids. Um, I find that also quite a great tool if you come to another country to find um, uh, the tandem with like grown up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have plenty of friends here in, in uh, like some of my closest friends are, are French speaking. But it's just, again, we got to know each other in English. And now it feels so weird to swip, swap the language. Mm-hmm. So what I'm doing now, I'm taking the same approach as I did with German. When I was learning German, I, you know, my husband moved a year before me. So I wanted him to try out to live abroad before we decided to root everything up from Stockholm and go back mm-hmm. to Switzerland. Because I was fine with it, but I wanted him to be fine with it too. So I let him live in Zurich for, for a year and we were flying back and forth. In the meantime, I was walking to work in Stockholm, listening to the Harry Potter, the first book. I bought it on, in, on audio and we're talking like CD player, <laughs> Sony Walkman CD yes. player, five discs <laughs> of audio book. So I had to make sure that I swapped it every yeah. once in a while. Um, and I was listening and I, I honestly, I was like, Harry, Hogwarts, Hogwarts again. I did not understand a word except for the names and different characters. And I think one of the first words I, I sussed out was Riese, mm-hmm. like, like giant as in yeah. Hagrid. Yeah. And I just like, okay, I'm just going to teach my brain to listen to the German melody. Yeah. So I just did that stubbornly every single day. And then I had another one, another CD with those like, I don't know even what they're called anymore. You know, those old language tapes where you learn to count. Yeah. Ask for directions and all Mm -hmm. of that stuff. Where is the library? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly that. Um, So I was just doing that. And now I'm doing, taking the same approach again to sort of reawake my French. Mm -hmm listening to a, I found a really cool podcast, a guy who is a French teacher and he does like very sort of 30 minute long podcasts about sort of common knowledge things, like really um, interesting topics, like very current. uh, And he speaks French all through the thing, but fairly not stupid slow, but slow. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> and then, slow. Yeah, and, and, and then he always starts with like, in this podcast, I will use this verb a lot or this word a lot. And he explains the context of the yeah. word and the, and the different um, expressions that he will use in the podcast. But he does that, all of that in French. And it's really fun to sort of bring that back into the yeah. working condition. Yeah. But that's just for the fun of it, because we're spending more and more time down in the French part again okay. with skiing and friends living over there. So it would be, again, just to go shopping and just to be able to speak to the locals a bit again, showing that I'm making an effort. Yeah, I made a course of French a long time ago in Moscow because I thought I will go uh, working in French company. Mm-hmm. So I was not bad. Um, now I can understand a bit but I'm mm-hmm. like, I always say like, I'm a dog. I can understand, but I can't <laughs> say anything. And um, when we were, me and my husband in Morocco, and they speak also French there. Yeah, of so course. He, he speaks really good. And I was really like um, a Arabian woman behind, like, oui, oui, très bien. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like from this course, some sentences stay in your head that you never will use, but they kind of stick. 
Yeah. So I can perfectly say like in French, is it your umbrella? And mm-hmm. you really use that, right? It's of very, course. it's very important. So common. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's funny what your brain picks up Yeah, yeah, yeah. and keep. Yeah. I'm curious, you told that Sweden before it was like more one language and I assume, correct me if it's wrong, less um, like expats living. How is it now after so many years? How is it in Sweden with other nationalities? Do you have any idea? I have no idea because I haven't lived there for so long. I couldn't tell. I'm sure there is an expat community, you know, in every city. I'm I'm from Uppsala, which is mm-hmm. a big university city. So you have a lot of expats there. But when I was living there, I had very little contact with yeah. them because, again, I was hanging out with the, my local friends, of course. Yeah. And also with, you know, of course, we have immigration and, you know, a lot of refugees end up in Sweden, too. So now I, I think it's a, a completely different picture. And I was growing up in a very homogeneous group where you know there weren't that many languages spoken you know Finnish was like exotic you know okay because I think in Finland they speak Swedish it's like a they have uh I don't know the percentage but they have a smaller percentage of Swedish native Swedish speaking people and but the majority speaks Finnish okay yeah it's also one of the languages that I would like to learn yeah, wow. I was working three years in Finnish company, so I, I can. Oh wow! I can say hi. Oh wow! Good. And thank you. Yeah. And counting till three. Oh, <laughs> That's <good>. my <laughs> profound Finnish language knowledge, yeah. you know. But it's very different. That's it is. that's what totally makes it different. interesting for me. It's very very different. Yeah. It's like a game. Yeah. Can you totally? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. My my son is busy learning Japanese. Wow. Just that's- for. Again, you know, anime and all of these, you know, Naruto and all of these characters makes it interesting for him to to learn. I think now they can learn anything. I think if you compare our (laughs) childhood, there is no limits. There is no limits. No, no, no. And everything is so available. Yeah. What I was thinking recently, um, what I also try to do and... I think that when we come to another country, first, we need help from mm-hmm. other people to feel home, to feel integrated or help mm-hmm. with just, you know, establishing. Mm-hmm. But then what I like to do is also help others when I'm already on the kind of higher mm-hmm. establishing yeah. platform. How is it for you? Because you're also kind of many years and um, mm-hmm. do you see a value in helping others or is there any involvement in such community or helping um, just people where you live I mean I'm I I think I'm sort of prone to being a helper anyway (laughs) I mean I think it's a personality thing and I always try to help anyone I can in whatever way I can I think when I arrived here, because I was so new and I didn't know anyone, it's obviously super easy to find a community within your nationality. So, for example, there is a um, 
an organization called Svea, which is Swedish Women Educational Association, and they are based, I mean, worldwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was super easy for me to just join Svea Zurich, of course, when I when I came here, because you can just write and say, hi, I just moved here from Sweden, blah, so you're, you're in, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, easy admission. Very. As I moved along, I mean, I was very much involved because we also have a Swedish church, but that's more of a, you know, it's not church as a religious, but more the social community, community part. Mm-hmm. I was involved in so a lot of like the we had like toddler singing groups and and stuff like that so I was there a lot and obviously you speak to to all the new arrivals there and like oh you just arrived like three weeks ago oh but here are like the basic things you need to know and and then obviously Facebook came and all of a sudden we could build groups for anything we liked so we have obviously the, the Swedish you know, Swedes in Zurich, we have Scandinavian parents in Zurich, there is, you name it, I mean, there's so many groups. And then as I got more established in the neighborhood where I live, I built a Facebook group for our neighborhood, where that is actually really active now. So a lot of like buying and selling and asking for like, does anyone have a drill that I can borrow for a few hours or did anyone see my kid's bike? He left it there and I'm giving away this outgrown shoe. It's like or... these boards before, you know. It's the... like this community board, exactly. Yeah. And I probably jump on every occasion to sort of help and sort of show the ropes rather than every single person having to invent the wheel over and over and over. Yeah. Um, and I know that, again, with the Svea thing, I, I sort of went in and I started doing the activities they offered and then I had kids and I went into corporate jobs and all of a sudden it wasn't sort of it didn't apply to me for a while it got busy yeah it it got busy busy. really yeah and then all of a sudden now that my kids are older and there are some new activities that interest me and because I'm now an entrepreneur not working corporate anymore it makes more sense and now I'm fairly involved again. So it sort of ebbs and flows and that's okay too, right? Yeah. So right now we're we're trying to set up a more of an organized way to to greet the people that arrive new to Zurich and what do you have to know and like how do you and, and from you know basic things like how do I attach a lamp to the ceiling without calling an <laughs> electrician? You know, what is this Migros card and co-op card they ask me for <laughs> every time I go shopping? Or, you know, is it, com- you know, is it common place that you give a tip in the restaurant or not? And, you know, how do you, you know, how do you deal with all of these like insurance companies and blah, blah, blah. So we're just trying to organize ourselves there a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know if there is in Zurich, but do you think some kind of um, courses from administration, from Gemeinde? missing their direction no no there there are a lot of stuff there too they offer a lot of things it's just that probably didn't know about it then okay so I sort of went I found my own ways to to find that information back then so but I'm sure they have a lot of stuff Um, so I would definitely check there because they offer a lot anything from you know German courses to to other things like integrational stuff 
what I would like to ask, I mean, it's definitely more resources that people have to find information and to mm-hmm. find people and uh, to connect with them. Mm-hmm. If you compare like you oh, moved yeah. and why do you think still it's so hard for people to move and to really integrate and find your place in a new country if we have so many resources now? Yeah, I mean, again, drawing from my professional experience now, moving is one of the big shakeups that you go through in life as a life event. Whether it's exciting and fun, but it's also a huge shakeup for your whole nervous system because it goes against sort of biology we were supposed to live in our little communities and where we feel, felt safe and we know the ropes and we know the drill and we are, you know, educated from a young age, both about language and cultural language as well. Like, you know, how do I behave and how do I yeah, ask for like things? And, you the know, there's system. A, yeah, the code system, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden nowadays, because it's a lot easier than before. I mean, people are always immigrated, but... It is a huge shock as well to the brain. As I, as I said, with, with the UK experience, all of a sudden you're landing somewhere where you don't know the social codes. You don't know the native language. You don't know how, I mean, I remember when I call, got here and I was so frustrated that I couldn't say same to you when people said, have a nice day in the shops. And I didn't have access to the word gleich false. Mm-hmm frustrated me to the nth degree Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I couldn't be polite back I think we just have to also embrace that it is a bit of a we need to sort of calculate in that it's going to be a bit shaky in the beginning yeah we can't just take our stuff and put it somewhere across the world and think everything is going to be up and running in like five minutes true like it will will take time and it will it will take effort, like with everything else. I mean, you don't learn a new language in like five minutes. You don't learn how to use a computer if you've never seen one before in five minutes. I mean, I say this a lot in my working role. Like, you know, we are so, we live so much in a Twitter world. Everything has to go so fast. And if it doesn't go fast, it's something wrong with me. Yeah, But that's not true. I mean, it almost takes another lifetime to adapt to this new culture. I mean, I've been here for 16 years. I speak German and Swiss German fluently-ish, but I will never feel at home with German. I feel super at home in, in Zurich, but I will always feel a tiny bit awkward when I speak German. Okay. That's just an emotional thing I have which I'm sure I could work on (laughs) but but it will always be a bit do you think it's a matter of not training but kind of repeating I mean people who move a lot by Mm -hmm. work Mm -hmm. with new contracts or something Mm -hmm. well I mean then you get used to it right I mean it's like again with everything if if your brain learns a new skill i.e moving a lot you know the ropes, you know that whenever I come to a new city, you know, all of the the people that are like, you know, working in consulates and embassies and stuff, I mean, they move a lot. Yeah. 
and you know the ropes you know what google you know what ABC, to google for yeah yeah, yeah yeah you know i've heard a lot of people that are you know uh, digital nomads that travel around and work you know they just have a backpack and they travel the world yeah. they have like a setup list like f- find an airbnb yeah. find the closest you know how do i hook up my computer to the internet uh where do i find friends fast da, 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 da. i mean they have a list yeah and when you have moved a lot, you obviously have more skills in that area compared to a person who moves once or maybe yeah, twice. True. <laughs> I always say that in our family, me and my husband, I'm nomad mm-hmm. and he's more aborigin. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the right English word, uh, like a local. So mm-hmm. because I moved as, also as a child. Um, because we moved with our, my father from military location to another mm-hmm. military location. Mm-hmm. So I moved, before I moved to Switzerland, quite a lot. We also mm-hmm. moved to Germany and back mm-hmm. to Russia. Mm-hmm. And he has five generations in the same village. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not only a habit, it really... I think changes how you see the world and things mm-hmm. like you're more adaptable. Yeah. You make decisions faster. Mm-hmm. You're less connected to things mm-hmm. because like yeah. when I was 31, I moved here mm-hmm. and I had two suitcases. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And Same here. Exactly. So yeah. I still don't have a lot, a lot of things because I'm quite easy yeah. with things mm-hmm. and you changes are yeah. less stress for you exactly yeah. yeah and th- and that's okay I, I feel like you know moving abroad is not going to suit everyone and that's okay yeah if you feel terribly homesick and you and you are used to living in the same village on the same street together with your siblings and your parents and everything of course it's going to be a huge shock yeah and I don't you know sometimes it if it's that bad don't don't force it maybe that is a reason for that yeah but it's too big of a shock and it it ends up being a bigger trauma you know yeah and it's not a failure it's just like you tried and you you did take the plunge but it might not have turned out the way you thought it would be but nevertheless it's an experience and you just have to brush yourself off and like okay that was not for me i'll try something else you know um, that's um because i think interesting idea because yeah. usually you know if you did it it's great if you're not then exactly people can feel that i'm failure yeah i didn't put enough efforts but mm-hmm. maybe it's really not your thing no exactly yeah and and that's okay because we all react to different things differently too and we have to take that in consideration as well and that's okay True. Thank you, Karin. Um, it was a really nice and interesting discussion. Um, Thank you. It was really great to talk to you today. Thank you, everyone, for being today with us. It was Inside the Tribe, and we hear us in two weeks. Bye.